Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Father Nathan Goebel, accompanied by my Eastern brethren, breathing with both lungs, Father Michael Flolo O'Loughlin. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. There you go. Is that right? That's it. That's like the call and response. In the Eastern Church, instead of saying, when I say what, you say, hey, what, hey, what, hey. See? But when, when they say, what is it? Glory to Jesus Christ. We say... Glory forever. Glory forever. Yeah. When I say glory to Jesus Christ, you say... Glory forever. Glory forever. I hope you're all following along. Rocking out. <laughs> we lost him at hey. Rocking out your 24-hour fitness on your, on your electro bike or whatever they're called. <laughs> Elliptical. All right, folks, we're going to get right down to it. I was listening the other day, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, I want to commend Father Michael because on the podcast that I do, the banter tends to to just keep rolling on. But on his, he just shut it down. There was like a little bit of, you know, little chatter, chitter-chatter, and then bam. You know, That's a very nice way of saying that I just tend to blaze through and ignore you the whole time no you you just it was like it was nice it was a good transition i can't remember which one it was you need to uh, insert yourself plus um father michael is um is getting into the higher ranks of uh people loving loving his topics because i've had multiple text messages on the forgiveness podcast amen so a special shout out to vanessa brink vanessa brink um do you know vanessa i don't oh really well not by name Maybe she like um she used to live here in Denver. She was one of the teachers at Lords. Mm-hmm. Special shout out to Morgan McGinn and uh, Kathleen Mason. Uh, they're both teachers there as well. Um, but uh, Vanessa moved to Phoenix and is working there. Oh. Um, but she sent a, a, a text back just saying how blown away she was by the Forgiveness podcast as well as uh, Christy Steffel. She was nice. I know Christy. She was loving it. So well played. Cool. And yeah, uh, Vanessa, go to uh, go check out Saint Stephen's. Cathedral, our Byzantine cathedral. And, uh, that's how the loons say glory to Jesus Christ. That's right. We have to call back. It um, is high noon. It is high noon in Littleton, Colorado. St. <laughs> Stephen's uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's your where our cathedral is, yeah. So I had a Bishop Gerald for me, Father Wes Iser, Deacon Michael Bezutska. Bezutska. And all those there Deacon John Montavo, Deacon Jim Danovich. All right. Those are my peeps, yeah. There you go. So, um, so my banter has gone on too long, so we're just going to cut right to it, folks. <laughs> I had promised you a special podcast on a certain custom in the, uh, in the Catholic Church, specifically around um, marriages, that is not a part of the Catholic Church's tradition, but has weaseled its way in, namely the unity candle. Um, so I want to tell a quick story first, and then we'll move on to kind of what is the unity candle, what is its purpose, and then why is it sometimes frowned upon. Okay, so I was at a wedding for a friend of mine, Trevor, um, back in Illinois. Notice how I didn't say his last name. I'm getting, <laughs> getting better at that. <laughs> so Trevor got married, and uh, he got married at uh, this uh, you know big evangelical church in Decatur. Notice okay? you didn't give the name. I don't even know the name. <laughs> okay. I really don't. Uh, they just my buddy calls it Christ Corner because there's four different churches like on oh. this street, so they're all fighting it out. But it's so, like Spirit of the Desert Winds, Spirit of the Desert, New Church. Life, New Life. 
I think it's New Life. Anyways, um, so we go there, and I'm sitting next to my friend Kim. Kim is one of the few Catholics that I know from my part of the world, Mount Zion, um, that I grew up with in high school. Mm -hmm. And Kim was at this wedding, and I'm looking through the program, and at one point it says communion. And I kind of freak out because I'm like, oh, shoot, like... um, She's not fully going to understand why it's not uh, good as a Catholic to receive communion at other churches. So I said to her, Kim, when the time comes for them to do communion, just stay with me. Just sit with me, and I'll explain it to you later. She's like, okay, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And uh, they get married. Um, Trevor gets married. And um, they, uh, they, they, you can tell that there's a transition. Now they're going to do communion. And so Trevor and his wife line up in front of everyone, like, you know, they go to the front of the sanctuary, for lack of a better word, uh, the edge of the carpet, and uh, (laughs) they hold hands, and they're staring into one another's eyes, and then this song is played. I don't even remember what this song, you know, How Deep Is Your Love by, you know, Cisco or something. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, And uh, they shared communion. Okay. There wasn't communion. Oh, there wasn't. There wasn't anything. Was it bread and wine, or was just no? It was. At each it was other them and... sharing communion. Uh, wow. Them sharing communion. Okay. It was nice, you know. Um, but uh, at the end of it, Kim was like, "Why were you so freaked out about that?" You know. And I was like, "Never mind." Okay. So uh, there are things in kind of the the Catholic world that we just kind of get hesitant about because it's like this isn't part of our tradition, right? And so when it comes to like intercommunicating, that's a different story, okay? But what I want to say is that the unity candle isn't part of our Catholic tradition. And we may use similar words and kind of signs and symbols for our marriages, um, but when it comes to unity, we have our own way of doing that. Mm. And the unity candle isn't really part of that. Of symbolizing the unity in an obvious sacramental way, yeah. Right. Within the context of the liturgy, right? Within the context of the liturgy, it's not it's not something that that we do, but it's been kind of appropriated and and found its way into the into the masses. And so, what what is the unity candle? You got any you got any first thoughts about unity candle? You like it? You don't like it? I, I've seen you know the the fathers of the church talk about the of fire or a flame being a good symbol of the Trinity because yes. you have, you know, you light one candle off another, it doesn't take away from the one that you lit it off of. So mm-hmm. I have one flame on one candle, I light a second candle, and the flame of the first candle still is the same. Now, of course, science will tell us why, but but in an obvious, tangible way, there's still some sense of the symbolism of you, you give a whole nother flame and it doesn't reduce or take away from the flame that you started with. That, that's a sign of kind of our, our charity, our self-gift. We can give ourselves completely and still retain our, our complete persons. God the Father, you know, in the Trinity, you have three flames, et cetera. So there's, fire has always been a, a, a valid symbol of, of love and self-gift and especially the love within the Trinity. So I can see why humans would see that as something that is symbolic and kind of an uh, a cool obvious sign of love and self-gift and that that would eventually find its way because of our our need for sensory symbols within rituals to yeah. uh, become what it is in the yeah because we're trying to give 
a physical representation of this invisible reality right. that is present in right. these persons. And exactly. we do that already, and we do use fire, and it's like, as a seven or eight-year-old, it's like my favorite day of the year, and it still is my favorite day of the year, namely at the Easter Vigil. Mm. And, we, and do you do this in the Eastern Church? Do you also have, you know, mm. you know you have a Paschal candle. Right, we, we use that as I think. So the whole church goes dark, the bishop lights one candle in the sanctuary, then he comes out of the sanctuary. The doors, the world doors open. He comes out, and then he lights everybody's candle off that one. So it's, it's very similar. Yes. But but it's the same thing. You start with one flame, and then you have everybody yes. has a flame, and it doesn't take away from the one that he has. Do you and people do are a, singing a Christ is risen. It's it's gorgeous. Do you do a Paschal fire? Uh, they do at the Holy Sepulcher. Okay. Um, but we don't we don't do it in each parish. At least as oh, my I experience see. goes. But okay, they cool. do it in the Holy Sepulchre, where the the patriarch walks into the Holy Sepulchre and and he says that the flame just lights itself by the grace of God, and then he takes that flame and then lights everybody in the Holy Sepulchre's candle after that one. Yeah, yeah you you shouldn't hear like somebody striking a matchbox or like <laughs> right. flicking a bick at that point. I think we're out of oil. That's yeah. right. So then, uh, at ours, you know, while the 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 Easter exultet is proclaimed, we have a line in there that says, "A pillar of fire, yet never dimmed by sharing of its light." Hmm. Okay, yeah, exactly. And, and so you see, like from this one single flame, that all, everybody in the church receives their light, and yeah. so there's individual flames, but kind of seen as one. It looks like one enormous fire. Right. Okay. Nice. We like those kind of things. So what's the big deal about the unity candle? What's the matter? Okay. What's the problem here? Okay. So um, let me look. I have some some sheets. I want to make sure to give a just uh, apology uh, for the unity candle. I don't want to just like dismiss it because I did that the other day. Okay. And I want to make sure that because there's a lot of people, including my parents, that had a unity candle. So okay. why? I mean, they don't just do it because, you know, it's just random. They're trying to show something. So, uh, the symbolism. Uh, it says, It is sometimes performed to symbolize the joining together of the two families and their love for the bride and groom into one united family that loves the new husband and wife. More often it is to symbolize the union of two individuals becoming one in commitment. The popular explanation is that the taper candles are lit by representatives from each family to symbolize the love and allegiance that each family has for either the bride or the groom. As the bride and groom use these two flames to light the unity candle, they bring the love of both families together in united love for the new couple. Nice. Generally, the two tapers are left burning and replaced in their holders, because each family's love for their own will continue. However, in some ceremonies, they may blow out their individual candles. When the ceremony is alternatively performed to symbolize simply joining the together of the bride and the groom, the tapers may be blown out to indicate that the two lives have been permanently merged or that they may leave them lit beside the central candle, symbolizing that the now married partners have not lost their individuality. Hmm. So that's the part I don't think you knew about last time we had this podcast, did you? Because you talked about blowing it out and how weird that is. But obviously others have thought about that too. Others have thought about it and some people do leave it lit. Okay. Okay. And so I think I, I don't remember where it is. You were talking about the Eastern Fathers. Um, oh, it's in it's in the Saint Matthew's Eucharistic Chapel, uh, the Adoration Chapel in Champagne. Hmm. Um, oh, Saint Cyril of Jerusalem. Okay. He talks about how um, when 
these when the flame and the wax come together you can't really distinguish like where like the flame is actually touching the wax and okay. where the wax is feeding the the flame and everything right. and they become so fused that it's a symbol also for our communion in Christ hmm. that the eucharist when consumed like we become fused like these two pieces of wax that are that are fitted together right okay and um that that's a really beautiful thing now, in the wedding itself, we have these opportunities where husbands and wives, well, bride and groom, are coming as representatives of these, you know, various clans, if you right. will. You have, you know, the bride side and the groom side. I never know which who sits where, but right. you know. Uh, but they're they're separate. They're separate. Right. And then from this from the representatives from both of them, they come together and pledge their love for one another. So that you can see that that they have come together, but in some ways they've come together and formed this new reality, this right. new entity, this new family. So as much as they are the the Dawsons or the the uh, Tampicos or whatever, um, they're now like a new unit. And the way in which they give themselves and seal this love is through their words, mm-hmm. through their their consent. Right. Later, that will be kind of enfleshed um, bodily through their sealed commitment. Bastakosi. Okay, enough. Okay. You know, I won't say any <laughs> more about that. Well, we know what you mean. But then, but then they also like have these rings where they are sealing their commitment and the signs of their union and communion with one another. Her giving him his, him giving her hers, and both of them taking and receiving. Right. So then having looked having seen this enacted before one another and and the this is the actual ritual of marriage where they pledge their consent they 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 say they've come without reservation they give their consent and then it's sealed with these with these rings right. we have done effectively what this unity candle is supposed to be symbolizing yeah. and so to have a whole nother thing where we're going to insert that into the into the mass can be um, redundant. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of people that would say, unity candles are fine, just save it for the reception. Right. Save it for the reception, because at the reception, you're not going to do it again. Right. You're going to, you're already married, but you can you can show that, you know, like as they do on the dance floor, like the bride dances with the father of the groom. Right. And the husband dances with the mother of the hmm. bride. Right. You know, like we are enacting what has taken place. Yeah. But to do it in the context of the liturgy is um redundant, yeah. for lack of a better word. Even the the tradition of the other woman taking the her husband's name, I mean that's a right there is like kind of a merging of families tradition as well. And and if if in their own tradition yeah. that's announced at the end, you know, Mr. and Mrs. whatever, you know, that that's uh not a redundancy, but it's another way of kind of showing the, the merging of the families into one. Yeah, and I was looking it up, and it was um, on one of the websites, uh, it was talking about how one of the options that is preferred is that the bride and the groom would process up together. That that's a, We do that in the Byzantine church. Yeah. They process up together, yeah. So then they've already... Uh, they've already come together and pledged their love for one another through their engagement. Right. And so there isn't this like ceremonial handing off. They've already formed 
a, a natural union of friendship that they desire to be consecrated into the supernatural union of marriage right. that will withstand the test of time and whatever else. Yeah. So this is what uh, one of the this is what one of the dioceses had on its website. The unity candle is not permitted during any ceremony, hmm. meaning within the liturgy. We recommend this practice for the reception. The unity candle is not part of the marriage rite in the Catholic Church and never has been. Your unity is shown publicly in the sacrament on your wedding day. So kind of what we were saying. Right. But then also um, uh, one of the one of the priests from uh, one of these websites, he has like a question and answer. He says, the bride and the groom then pull out their smaller candles, showing in a symbolic way that their two lives are now blended. As an added tweak, sometimes the mothers of the bride and groom light the smaller candles at the beginning of the wedding ceremony. Hmm. So, um, I guess we already talked about that. That sheet was redundant. Yeah. <laughs> You're redundant. Speaking of redundant. <laughs> well, I thought, I'd, I thought I'd highlighted something on that one, but... Um, oh, that's what it was. That's why I kept it. This is what this priest recommends. My approach is not to suggest the unity candle to couples, but to accede to their wishes should they raise the issue. I have them place the candles on a smaller table, rather on the altar, so as to keep the altar table only for the Eucharist. I take the same approach with couples who raise the possibility of bringing a floral bouquet to a Marian side altar after the vows and the rings in honor of the Blessed Mother. We have, and if you're in, if you do, you know, Mexican weddings or whatever, they have the coins. Mm-hmm. And the lasso, mm-hmm. and uh, someday we'll we'll get Father Mike, who has done a number of of those ceremonies mm-hmm. to kind of explain the full symbolism. But effectively, what it's saying is it's trying to give an expression to the words that were said: "I take you, mm-hmm. and you take me," and this giving and receiving, and and vice versa, is is enacted. And if we're really looking at the liturgy we can see that we've got this down. Right. And it means a lot more from the couple doing it than just ritually, symbolically, you know, performing some action that maybe maybe doesn't have uh, the same sign value. Yeah. See, we, we as Catholics understand very well that, that God always uses tangible things mm-hmm. to show his you know, intangible love. So the, the, it's, every sacrament, all seven, has some tangible reality. This is the, the you know, the what the Roman mystagogy, the Roman sacramental theology would call the uh, the form and the matter. You know, there, there there's always form is the ritual itself. The matter is the physical stuff that is involved in the sacrament, whether it's bread and wine for the Eucharist, um, you know, the the uh, the water for a baptism, the chrism for a confirmation, etc. Then you have... In the the wedding, the vows are the moment of the sacrament. So the vows really are you know, the couple themselves or the matter. But then the vows, what is spoken, is what's necessary. And I, some of my the wedding homilies that I've gotten the best feedback on are the ones where all I did was talk about the symbols because yeah. they've seen these things a million times. You know, yeah. especially in the Byzantine tradition, the wedding where there's so many symbols. Like you just preach on the symbols, and that is literally a homily that is expressing you know, thousands of years, you know, 1500, whatever it is, years of tradition of reflection upon the reality that's happening in the sacramental marriage. Hmm. The, um, uh, one of the things that I think is really funny too, is you'll talk to some of the couples and they are insistent. They're absolutely insistent that this has to be in there. Uh It has to be in there. And, and we want to sign the license. 
We want to sign the license right. in front of everybody yeah. because we want to give a public uh, expression that we we did it. You know, as if it's not there already. Yeah. yeah. But then the interesting thing is, um, so are are we doing this within a mass? No. Um, yeah, it's it would just be too hard. Like there's just there's some people who aren't Catholic, and we just wouldn't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so part of it is the reason why we ask the couples to do their wedding ceremony not only in a church, but we do encourage them to do it within the context of a mass. Mm-hmm. Is the mass is Christ giving Himself wholly to us, and the bride, the church, receiving Him and offering ourselves back to him so it is a eucharistic nuptial communion and it's sealed it's sealed in the covenant of his blood and the covenant of his blood is what is going to strengthen and keep safe the vows that they make on the day of their wedding right so if we really understand that then we would fight to make sure well just as long as um we can give uh, an expression of our faith in Christ, we want to do that, right. as opposed to, we want we want to reiterate that we are together again, right. you know? It's like, oh my gosh, please, you know? Yeah. And there, are, I get it, you know, I've done weddings where the, the husband's side wasn't Catholic, and to do communion for only one side yeah. can be very, you know, very difficult, yeah. you know? Um, however, like, if the, if the couple... If the couple are um, both Catholic and they want to receive, you can reserve communion just to the bride and the groom, yep. and just say we're gonna we're they're gonna participate, and everybody I guess in a way everybody's excluded, um, yeah. but they want to seal the the vows that they've made in in the blood of Christ, yeah. and that's what I want for them. And that that is actually an ancient Eastern tradition is the common cup that is that is Eucharistic that is shared among the couple during a non-Eucharistic wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. So if if it is ancient too to have the Eucharist, um, you don't have the wedding in the context of a divine liturgy. But even if you don't, you still have the couple receive the Eucharist. I mean, they just drink from the chalice of the blood of our Lord, and that's the ex- yeah. that's the reason it's because it is through. His death and resurrection that they receive the sacrament, and it is through the the marriage ceremony of Christ and the Church that they are entering into that mm-hmm. same reality in their own marriage, and so they receive His blood. Yeah, so that's there's ancient ancient traditions for that, which yeah. is which is nice, and and the necessity of involving the Eucharist in many of the other sacraments, even confession. You know, confession is kind of capped off by the Eucharist. You receive confession so that you can then return to the Eucharist and into full communion. Yeah. So. Well, and we don't charge extra. I don't think, you know, I don't for, think oh, I don't, for a mass. Yeah. For yeah. if you, if you're going to do, if you're going to receive communion, we don't right. say, well, that, the, that, those hosts are going to cost some money right. and that, that wine is going to cost some money. So let's just make, I hope those, there's not churches that are doing that, yeah. but then the unity candle is going to set you back like 75 bucks, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, dude, save your 75 bucks for those, you know, dinosaur coasters or right. something, you know? <laughs> Like the Back to the Future DVD series. Why not? Yeah, that makes the home a home. So anyways, um, but I want to put to death, I don't know if I put to death this rumor, but um, I did try to look at it for myself, which is I said on the last podcast that I had heard that it was from originally Luke and Laura's wedding on General Hospital, 1981, okay? And so then today I sat down and watched 
as much as I could of the uh, YouTube uh, sensation, the two-part General Hospital uh, Luke and Laura wedding. And I didn't see the unity candle in there. Oh. And it didn't play like a huge, huge role in it. Hmm. At le- I mean, and maybe I fast-forwarded over the wrong part, and maybe this YouTube video doesn't have it. Hmm. So um, if somebody can find that video and actually find the, the unity candle, I will send you a personal autographed senior photo of <laughs> Father John Nepple. So I don't have one, so uh, I'll have to find it. But uh, We can make sure to get one of those. <laughs> we'll just superimpose it over somebody else's. Um, so, I mean, if it is from that, I did look and it said there was evidence of people doing it, doing the Unity Candle in the 1970s. Hmm. So, I mean, big surprise, you know? Like, we wanted things to be more um, exuberant, alegre. Uh, more alive, more, um, I don't know, jubilant in our wedding ceremonies. And the ritual itself became kind of lacking. But I think if we if we just, it's amazing. We were talking about this the other day. If you just say the prayers and do the ritual actions, people are like, oh, Father, that was a beautiful liturgy. And I'm like, I am a useless servant. I am yeah. only doing what I was yeah, obliged to do. Exactly. So on that note, folks... We do have a couple shout outs. Yes. So, oh, any any last comments about the Unity Candle? No, there are just to bring the Byzantine into it. There the there is a tradition that the uh the couple walks down the aisle each carrying a candle mm-hmm. and then th- those candles are placed on the yes. altar and it's it's the it's the light of Christ as these ancient symbols of Christ's presence in these in these sacraments. But the the second thing that also is beautiful and I might have mentioned this in the marriage podcast but the couple will carry down icons where the man has an icon of the mm. our Lord and the woman has an icon of the Theotokos, the mother of God, and they carry those down. They are blessed at the ceremony, and then they bring those home, and that starts their icon corner. So where, where wow. they spend time as a family in prayer, the icon of our Lord goes up on one side, the Theotokos on the other. So it's like a mini church because that's exactly how they're set up in the church. Huh. Um, but the the icon of Christ is, is sponsored and given by the husband's family. The icon of Theotokos is sponsored and given by the woman's family. So they're is even as they see in their icon corner at home, they do see kind of a manifestation of this started, didn't just start with us, yeah. it started with our families. We all have the backgrounds. They provided these icons. When we have children, if we have a boy, we'll give them an icon of Christ. If we have a girl, an icon of Theotokos. And, and there's the same in, in this one family's home, there's this sign of in the one icon corner symbolizing the one church and the unity of our faith and the unity of our prayer, here's a symbol of, of the participation, the gift that our families have given us to yeah. begin our life together. I like that. Yeah. Me too. And then the the baptismal the baptismal uh candle that because I think that that's what some people will do. They'll actually bring in the candle from their baptism. Thunder stats did that. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. it was so beautiful. Yeah, me too. That they lit they lit from the well, did they light it from the Paschal candle? Or? No, I, I lit it. You lit it. <laughs> I lit it off my, my lighter in the back of the church That's or something right. like that. It's beautiful. It was busy to draw Paschal candles, but yeah. Yeah, So, uh, but they brought it up, and then they set it in kind of a uh, candelabra or something Exactly, like and left it lit for the whole... The yeah, whole but then they didn't, they didn't light a new candle. You know? Right. Their baptism, their individual baptism is, is, their, is the light of Christ. Absolutely. And the, the growth of their... The, their marriage is from their baptismal identity in right. Christ. So, right. All right, but uh, I did have a couple. My first wedding ever did do unity sand, um, and they poured the sand into 
a single vase. Never heard of that. Oh my gosh. It maybe, well, I don't think I'll use it as a picture, but, uh, it looked like a cover of like a, of a gun guns and roses album Okay, <laughs> because like he had like red and red and black uh, sand and okay. she had like neon green and yellow sand and then they poured it together and i wanted so badly to do he who builds his house on <laughs> sand is a fool so but we do we do have a particular shout out uh for our dear friends scott and chris fowl uh <laughs> i hope that's christina <laughs> it's scott and chris fowl Scott attended Mullen with a good friend of mine uh, by the name of Greg Rosengarden. So mm-hmm. Greg is a fantastic guy. Um, just a lot of fun to be around. He is a joy. Um, his, oh shoot, his wife's name is, uh, uh, I think it's Ela. I think it's Ela. So mm. <laughs> anyways, uh, uh, Scott and Chris Fowl will celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary this weekend and our faithful podcast listeners and so uh greg and Ela wanted to give them a shout out so nice um happy anniversary yeah happy anniversary all right i got a few from the emails uh scott powell our podcasting buddy over at lanky guys hey oh hey oh shout out to lanky guys father peter must at scott powell uh check them out uh he wanted a shout out for his beautiful wife mary claire and their kids frank nate and elizabeth so shout out to all y'all um up in the boulder Wait, Scott Powell's wife is named Mary Claire? That's what it says here. Is this this a different Scott Powell, maybe? I only know one Scott Powell. (laughs) Shout out to whoever Scott Powell's wife. I think his his wife's name is Annie. Shout out to Lanky Guys Podcast just for the hell of it. And uh, shout out to this Scott Powell. Shout out to Scott Powell's mistress. We don't don't know who you are, I guess. Maybe that's a real name. Maybe that's a real name. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'd be really Scott funny. Scott Powell hated both of you, or one of you, whoever, whatever it is. One That's or right. two. <laughs> whatever Scott Powell you are, you get it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, also, uh, shout out to Rudy Solis. I think I'm pronouncing that right. From Oklahoma City. Uh, from your wife, Nancy. She wanted to give you a shout out to her husband, you. Uh, he's an amazing father, husband, and Fred. And she is so very proud of you. And finally, birthday shout out to Andy Nienberg. Um from Andy. your cuddy, Maddie Meyer, cousin, Maddie Myers. Niemerg, N-I-E-M-E-R-G? That's it. Where's he from? Do you know everybody? Well, uh, that's, there's a Niemerg's in uh, Effingham, Illinois. I don't know. This is just, this is what we were sent. What up? Yeah. If you're from central Illinois. If this is that Andy. Throw it down. There's a lot of podcasts. Maybe you're, maybe you're, Scott, maybe no you're actually Scott Powell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. And, and that's it. And always shout out. I should shout out to my sister-in-law, Stacy, faithful listener, wonderful woman. She gave me a gift one day. Talk about uh, always listeners giving us gifts after the, one of the podcasts. I just mentioned my socks. And uh, yes. the, next, the next Divine Liturgy, her little son walks in and hands me just a pack of like six black socks. And it gives me this look like it's from my mom. I was like, ah, that's right. There you go. So I gave her a wink when I got up on the altar. <laughs> Thanks, Stacy, for the socks. Wink. wink. All right, folks. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Look up YouTube, uh, Luke and Laura, 1981. Uh, there's a sweet fight right at the end with Luke if and this really bored. random guy. So, all right, folks. Have a good week. Laters. Catholic Stuff Podcast. Did you say that? I Catholic did. Stuff Podcast at gmail. Like us on Facebook. <laughs> I zoned out. Okay, Sorry. fine. God bless. Love y'all.